Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast and episode number 57. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Rootless Living magazine. On this episode, I get to chat with Simon and Carla, the duo behind Sailing Ocean Fox, and today we get to discuss what it's like being newlyweds and telling your family you're buying a boat and setting sail. Oh, and spoiler, these newlyweds are not in their 20s. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right. With that, I want to welcome Carla and Simon to the show. How are you guys? Hi, we're great. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm excited to have you guys on. I know you mentioned kind of in the pre-call that we could have a cat that could be making some noise or ruckus in the background. So just be aware of that, people. But uh, I want to ask you guys really quick, are you guys full-timers, part-timers? What do you guys kind of consider yourselves in like the digital nomad life? We are full-time cruisers. We're full time. We we live on our boat full time, but um, I think we actually work full time as well, don't we? Yes, we do. Uh, I think not a day goes by without us doing something on social media or uh, on our computers, at least. Yeah, so you're definitely the definition of uh, a digital nomad if you're traveling while working. And it's funny that I had someone recently reached out, and they didn't really understand that that's kind of the premise of this show is talking to people that are you know traveling while working really still too, whether it's, whether it's hobby or income, whatever it is. I want to go back to when traveling while working wasn't part of your life. When did it start? And let's see if we can go back before that and tell me what you guys are doing and where you're living. Um, well, we met in, uh, 2015, 2015 and we got together and we decided that we liked each other rather a lot. So we decided we'd get married. And uh, so we got married in 2017, or beginning of January, uh, in Barbados with our four children. Carla has two girls and I have uh, a girl and a boy. Uh, They're all in their 20s. It was two days after that that Carla popped her head up on the sunbed and said, "Um, why don't we sell a house and sell around the world? I thought about it for all of two seconds and said, yeah, okay, let's do it. And we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Previous to that, we uh, I was uh, working as a personal assistant to lawyers in London. I had like five jobs. I was super, super busy in Simon Wood. I, was, uh, I ran an events company, so I used to organize uh, corporate and government events. So uh, sort of annual sales conferences, product launches. And in 2013, I organized a G8 summit in London. That's amazing. I like that Carla waited until after you guys were married to come up with the idea. That was well played. Yeah, it was a bit, wasn't it? It was a bit. Caught me out, that did. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. So was there any kind of sailing experience or boat experience before this idea at all between either of you? Uh, I had no experience whatsoever. Nothing. No, Carla hadn't had any at all. I'd had actually previously owned four yachts, which I kept on the south coast of um, the UK. The furthest I'd ever sailed was a, a passage of 20 hours, which took me to France. I hadn't actually sailed for 15 years for various reasons. So, yeah, we were a bit raw, really, weren't we? Yeah, we were. So yeah. we went on a course for a week. Yeah. Uh, so after we made the decision that yeah. summer, we went on a sailing program, a course in Spain, which gave Carla some basic knowledge of uh, rope handling and how to use the anchor and a bit of a feel for boating and things. Also, I needed uh, some sort of ticket, a skipper's license, to go to some of the countries that we were going to be going to. So uh, I qualified for that that way. 
But when we actually stepped on the boat, which was in March 2018, it was all pretty raw stuff, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 15 years away from it. That's really like learning to ride a bike again. They always say that you don't forget. But if I didn't ride a bike for 15 years, I would want some training wheels, at least in the beginning. I I think we were, well, I was particularly rusty uh, with my sort of boat handling skills. But also, this boat uh, is really quite a big boat. It's a 40 foot catamaran. And I'd never sailed anything this size before. The largest boat I'd had was a monohull around about 36 feet. So it was a bit of a big jump up from what we were used to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I bet. It sounds like it. It's really interesting that like the RV life and the boat life, I feel are very similar than that in the sense that there isn't a lot of history in, you know, whether it's camping or weekend sailing or anything like that, it's usually a big jump in. And I feel like, and again, I've never been a full-time sailor or on a boat. It just seems like it's a much bigger learning curve. There's so much more that you have to learn because you're out there in the middle of nowhere sometimes all by yourself. Absolutely. I mean, the first thing is you need to understand all the systems on the boat. Now, quite a lot of those are the same as on uh, in, in a big RV. You know, you've probably got solar panels. You may have a wind generator. You'd have electrical inverter. You'd have a, a battery bank of some time. Sometimes. So there's a lot of things like that, which are very, very similar to uh, living in an RV. But you're absolutely right. And you've got to be able to fix everything because either when you're out there in the middle of the ocean, there's nobody who's going to come and get you. And also, you tend to go to quite a lot of remote places. And uh, we've you know, been sort of searching for two or three months sometimes for some spare parts to fix something because there just isn't anywhere on a lot of the sort of smaller islands around the Caribbean. And some of the other places we've been in the Caribbean are even very, very remote yeah. with hardly anybody there at all. But so, the, the biggest the biggest uh, learning curve, I think it's the weather, because understanding yeah. the weather, you have to learn how... How, how, how the weather's going to affect you. Yeah. Catamarans aren't the best at sailing towards the wind, so uh, you need to plan your route so that you've got the wind either on the side of you, which we call the beam, or behind you. And also sea states and things like that. So from that point of view, is very different to driving an RV. Awesome. I think too about the old life. So when you guys got married, did you only have the one home? Because clearly you guys were living separate when before you got married. Did you go downsize to one house and then from one house to the boat? I was doing a couple of properties, buying a property, refurbishing it and flipping it, which we needed to do to get the money really to um, pay for the boat. So we spent kind of 18 months flipping two houses from the time we made the decision to the time we were going. First I moved from London. Yeah, you were were in a rented flat in London. Yeah. Because Carla's actually Portuguese and she was living in Portugal until... 2012. Well, and with the sort of recession, the global recession and the state of the economy in uh, uh, Portugal, she decided to move to London. So she was renting somewhere into London and so it was quite easy to uh, get rid of that one. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But was it, because a lot of times, obviously, especially the people I'm interviewing, they're going from, you know, 2,500, 3,000 square feet to possibly 400 square feet. And I don't know what the square footage of a 40 foot camera is, but what was that like for you guys going, I I would assume, I mean, flats in London, my parents spent a lot of time in London. Flats are actually pretty small. It's like New York in a way, like it's so expensive that you usually have a small place. I don't want to assume that. So what was it like if you guys had, you know, some major downsizing? 
We did actually oh, because we had to give you know all the furniture to the kids in between the our four kids. We had to sell things. We had to you know all the garden. Uh, yeah, we got rid of an awful oh, lot of stuff. Yeah, and I think we had something in the region of about fifty boxes, didn't we? Eighty boxes. Eighty boxes. Eighty boxes came <laughs> with us. <laughs> uh, Carla, we 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 bought the boat in Croatia, and uh, Carla found somebody from Serbia who did a trip from London to uh, Croatia every week just before we moved out of the house. The guy turned up and we packed everything into his van and uh, we, we thought, well, that might be it. We never see it again. But, um, uh, I mean, apart from uh, clothes and things, there was a lot of tools and equipment that we needed. And also uh, Carla does a lot of cooking, so we had all sorts of uh, cooking utensils and things like that. So. It was a big downsize, but the boat is actually pretty big. I mean, just to try and put it into proportion, our bedroom en suite is around about 30 foot long by about eight foot wide. And that includes a king size bed, dressing tables, cupboards, wardrobes, separate bathroom and a separate shower. It's pretty good, actually. And then on top of that, we've got two further double bedrooms and another bathroom on the port side. And uh, the main saloon is made up of a kitchen saloon area. So you've got a dining table, a nav station, and, and the kitchen. And then we've got outside space as well. So we're not short of space by any stretch of imagination. No, no, no. But it is a downsize for my house. Yeah, yeah. Now, also, too, I mean, I think being newlyweds, obviously blended family, you've got these adult children. Do they think mom, stepdad, or dad and stepmom have lost their mind? Like, what's going on here? Completely. My my eldest um, girl, she said, "You look like irresponsible teenagers." <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a sort of a family meeting because <laughs> they don't live. Uh, Carla's two girls live in Maidenhead. Uh, sorry, in, in uh, London, and my daughter lives in Stratford upon Avon, and my son lives in Bristol. And so we had a sort of uh, get together and broke the news to them. Yeah, your daughters were absolutely uh, thought we were irresponsible. My daughter, I think, was absolutely really quite worried about us. Yeah. Generally speaking, they've got used to it. They've all, all had some fantastic like holidays, holidays. Uh, on the boat. Uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. So it's all worked out very they, well. They got used to the idea. Yeah. I think they got worried when we're on some of the big uh, yeah. passages going across the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, we did one from um, Bermuda to the Azores, and it was supposed to take us 12 days. And we were out there for 18 days. And we did have communication with them. That wasn't an issue, but uh, I think it was quite worried. Yeah, it yeah. is worried. Yeah, yeah. I don't like to make these assumptions either. I turned uh, 50 yesterday, so and I have four adult children, but I have no grandkids. Are there any grandchildren right now? There's one on the way. One, one on, on the way. way. Yeah. So how has that been where, you know, I mean, for grandparents, it's not a, a full-time, everyday kind of thing, but how's that been for you guys with knowing that a kid's on the way and then there'll be a grandchild? Since the beginning, we thought we had a window here because uh, the children are between 23 and 28. So we thought, oh, we have kind of a window here because they are just in uh, um, early relationships. So we have some time to go. We thought we had between three and five years. And that worked really well. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the first one was uh, during uh, the end of July. Yeah. But um, we have been out across the Atlantic and around the Caribbean and we're now in Portugal, so we're a lot closer. Closer. And once all the COVID restrictions get uh, changed, hopefully, 
we we had a nip up to London quite quickly. Yeah, it was one of the reasons that we came back from the Caribbean. It was yeah. exactly that that we could be closer to home, so to yeah. visit them. So if yeah. they start having children, so we're going to be closer. They can come over for a weekend. We can go there for a weekend because yeah. it's just two hours away. And cheap so, uh, flights are very cheap. Very cheap. Very, very cheap, cheap in yeah. in Europe. Yeah. And let's be honest, grandkids don't really become fun until they're like five. So you got plenty of time. (laughs) (laughs) And and they're going to love us, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? I want everyone to think about having grandparents that live full time on a boat that you could go visit. Because I'm a city kid. I've, I've only lived in like Los Angeles, New York and Boston as a kid. And I think about having grandkids and, you know, hopefully by then I'll have a big piece of property somewhere in the country. Because, you know, my kids are in New York and in Los Angeles and I want them, you know, the grandkids to experience something different where yours will too. And I bet the holidays when you guys, you kind of, you know, skim past that, no pun intended with the word skim, I guess, is that your kids have been able to visit you on the boat because there's enough room for them and then have holidays on the boat, which has to just be amazing for them and the memories as well. Oh, yeah. They've been out to places like Aruba and Antigua. Antigua. And Bahamas, yeah. so they've they've had a fantastic opportunity to a, a relatively cheap holiday, really. Yeah, for yeah. them, eh? so yeah. they just have to pay the ticket, and yeah. they have uh, free yeah. free home, free food. <laughs> yeah, and then the fabulous place to be, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's great. So, when did you guys officially launch? What was the date you launched? And and kind of give me like just you know a quick tour of like where you've been since you took off. March two thousand eighteen. So yeah, it's going yeah. to be three years in two, in two months. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it was the end of March. Uh, and we bought the boat in Croatia and we headed down towards Greece, right out to the east of Greece to Rhodes. And then uh, we did a big loop back through the Greek islands, across to Italy, across to Sardinia, and then uh, to the Balearic Islands, Mallorca, Minorca and Ibiza. Uh, from there, we headed down the Spanish coast to Gibraltar, at the entrance to the Mediterranean. We then had a bit of a pause while we were waiting for the uh, trade winds to take us across the Atlantic. So we went down to the Canary Islands, followed by Cape Verde, and then across to Barbados. And then from there, we went all the way up the chain of islands to the BVIs, back down again to Grenada, out to uh, Los, Roques. Los Roques, Aruba. Curacao, Bonaire, Colombia, Panama, uh, up to Mexico, Cayman Island, Cayman Mexico. Island, Mexico, uh, and then this year we've come all along the coast of um, Cuba, and then we went to uh, the Bahamas, through most of the Bahamas. Most Actually, we, Bahamas, we we did an awful lot in the Bahamas yeah. before we started crossing back across the Atlantic via Bermuda and the Azores. Was that written down or did you do it's, that all uh, from memory? That's pretty, like, no. when people ask me where I've been, that's awesome. How many, how many is it? 40, 47 countries. 47 countries. No, yeah. it's not written down. We just, uh, we just. We just know. know. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, people ask me, like, someone made a joke the other day about me bringing, I'm in Oregon currently, and they said, you brought the weather from Arizona. And I was like, when was I in Arizona? Like, I mean, I had to go to Arizona to get here, but I just was like, I couldn't even remember. That was like a yeah, there, are, there are places like that where sometimes you just cannot remember them, yeah, yeah. Uh, until something uh, prompts you. But, um, you know, it's all written down um, in, in the uh, boat's logbook. And uh, generally, I do a blog five days a week and tell everybody where we are and what we're doing. And also, there's 200 videos on YouTube of our experience. So, you know, it's always there to go back over. Yes. 
You know, that's a good transition really quick. So I like to talk about, you know, travel in the beginning, kind of, you know, getting into the boat and how you guys have been traveling. The next is work. So what is it that you guys are doing for work right now? So we, since the beginning, we decided to make uh, a YouTube channel, to have a YouTube channel. So since, since day one, we start filming everything and then start uh, making episodes about our life on boat. And slowly that's turned into uh, an, income, an income stream either from YouTube or through the platform Patreon. On top of that, we write articles for magazines, uh, mainly sailing magazines, yachting magazines, or retirement magazines. And we get some income from that. And we also get an income from offering a liveaboard experience where people can um, pay to come and stay on the boat with us. And then like a yacht chart or something like that, we actually sort of talk, talk to me everything about what it's actually like to live on a boat and maintain a boat and live on it full time and travel full time. So that basically gives us... We also have income. a radio program every week yes. about all the destinations we have been. Yes. So every week we talk about one destination that we have been. That's awesome. I, I don't want to ask the exact ages, but what's the age bracket of you guys? Where would you guys put yourselves age bracket wise? I don't like that. I, I, I'm 61. Okay. I'm 56. There you go. Awesome. Well. I mean, because I think when people think YouTube, they think 20 somethings, you know what I mean? And they don't realize that, that everyone's point of view needs to be kind of shown. And if all you're seeing is 20 somethings doing something and you're in your fifties or sixties, you can't relate to that. And that's one of the, one of the things we wanted to, to inspire people to do. That's people at our age can do this life. They can go and sail around the world. Yeah, they say they certainly can. and. I think you're right. Uh, YouTube, the, the great thing about YouTube is it, it offers so much diversity. And uh, a lot of people who may be thinking about having this lifestyle, they probably don't want to watch uh, 20-something-year-olds doing it. They actually want to watch somebody who is older doing it and uh, seeing that they can cope with it, the problems they have, the issues they have, and how they get over them. So I think there's plenty of room for everybody out there when it comes to YouTube. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there is a big piece that's missing is kind of the, uh, I hate to use the word older because I don't think that that doesn't really qualify, but in the sense that there is an older demographic of people that want to be able to see someone they relate to. And I, you know, it's funny. I always remember I got sober in my twenties and I was going to these AA meetings. There's no one at an AA meeting in their twenties. Like that's when you're yeah. just really starting to learn how to drink. You know, you're not stopping in your twenties. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me. And I feel like sometimes things are in the reverse. If, if, all you're doing is going online and you see, let's see, young people with young kids and you're already kind of at an age where the kids are grown. You're like, wait, am I supposed to be doing this? It, it's kind of how it makes you feel. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for actually putting out the content and inspiring people, you know, that they know that they can do this too. And I love that you guys didn't have a ton of experience because I really do think people fall into that trap of fear where it's like, yeah. no, yeah. you know, the, I bet you the husband used to be in the Navy. And I bet they've had a boat. There, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff, you know? It's absolutely fascinating though, because we actually do meet people along the way and they come in, they come over and knock on the side of the boat and say hello. And they say, look, I've, um, I've left home, uh, you know, uh, with the wife and we're here, we're sailing. And uh, that's partly down to you guys because. Uh, you inspired us to do this, to, to do have it, this yeah. life. Yeah. Because if you see, you know, if people go on YouTube and they have their channels, they are young pretty and you know everything is perfect because they are all 
fresh and uh, but no we are real people we yeah. are what people can expect from people at our age isn't yeah it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's very cool. It's very cool. But you guys are, you're a good looking couple. Don't get it wrong. Come on now. You guys are. <laughs> so it's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so work is really in and around the lifestyle, which is great. And I, and I bet I can speak for you. Once you have someone that tells you that you've inspired them to make a life change, that's a hundred X in regards to anything that you could monetize. The idea of actually helping people launch into a better life is priceless. There's no better feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah I'd absolutely agree. Uh, and when you, from the sort of self point of view as well, uh, when you do these things and then you get like uh, 350,000 people to watch your video, you think actually that makes me feel good as well. Yeah. Or, you know, 60,000 people read a blog, something like that. Then you kind of like feel that it is worth it and uh, people do appreciate it. And the feedback we get generally, it's all good. Uh, well, yeah, you do get the odd troll out there or people that are being just uh, rude. But um, most of the time, the feed- feedback is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I bet there are. It's it's really amazing how there are some terrible trolls. We run into that with the, the magazine and Instagram. And it's just the weirdest thing where it's like, that's really why, what you want to spend your life doing is trolling. You know, like it's so bad. I, I don't I really don't understand that people. I don't know what they have in their minds. I really don't understand. Sometimes I read the comments and I go like, I can't really deal with this. But uh, we learn on the way. We learn how to deal with everything. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we just, if it's really, really rude, we just delete the comment. If it's not, it just stays there. Otherwise, we just reply to all the comments. We, we normally reply to all the comments that we receive. What's the funniest thing, too, is it, it maybe it's an anti-troll kind of statement is that even a troll's comment actually helps the algorithm. You know, like exactly. it, it, like exactly. a troll doesn't even realize that when he's on there or she's on there and they say something and other people comment on it, that actually helps your video. So it, it's like the yeah. funniest thing. It's the best Creating revenge. Engagement. Yes, exactly. Right? exactly. That's so funny to me. Well, did you guys have any kind of video experience either in regards to editing or social media or podcasting, or was that all part of this trip as well, too? Um, well, I, because uh, I used to organize corporate events, um, I used to actually produce some videos, but uh, me producing a video was really sitting in an edit suite and telling somebody else what to do. And it might actually be a sort of director there as well. So I was really basically looking after the concept and the money. And not really actually producing it, but we've we've learned an we've awful learned. lot, an yes. awful lot yeah. about yeah. social media yeah. and video editing and things like that. Yeah, promoting on social media is a big business, really, and so yeah, you, yeah it's a big, big, big thing. And then we just learned how to do it, and uh, we went step by step, and uh, we're just doing it. Yeah, it certainly, uh, we would have probably grown quicker, wouldn't we, if we knew uh, at the beginning what we know now? Yeah, um, because we've learned so much about. Uh, how to promote your channel. Yeah. Yeah, no, I did a, I started a series a while back called the road to 1000. I shot a video every day for a thousand days in a row. And, uh, I just finished on December 15th and I've taken, I've, I've not recorded a video since December 15th. I've taken some time off because it's such <laughs> a major kind of overhaul, which is a shame because I'm in the middle of like, uh, gutting my RV. We're doing a major restoration to the RV, but I just still want to just take a break because it does become work. And that's what I want to talk to you about is when I left on this lifestyle, I was working for someone else. My RV lifestyle had nothing to do with my work. So my life was one thing. My work was something else. But now that I'm publishing a magazine and I have a podcast and, and obviously 
the majority of our content and guests are around full-time RVing, it's actually changed the dynamic a little because work is now life and life is now work. They're both the same thing. Have you guys noticed that a little as well too, or is it? I have in particular because um, over the last sort of year, we've gone from making one video a week to making uh, four videos a week, uh, which is a a huge jump and commitment. And also we've been asked to uh, do the radio channel, uh, which we're doing on Yacht International Radio. Uh, That's a weekly program. Also, people have asked us to write articles. And so it all does take an awful lot of time. So we we actually start work at uh, six or seven in the morning with a cup of coffee. You know, we finish, we have a break during the day sometimes. Uh, and then we finish probably around about five o'clock. Yeah. So it really just turned into f- far more office hours than we ever anticipated. Yes, yeah. it did. But we, as we decided since the beginning to be a business, so because we could do just this for family and friends, uh, but no, we decided that we wanted to be a business. So you, you have to take it serious if you decide yeah. to be a business. You have to do it as a business. Yeah, and you've got to do a lot of work to promote it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it does take a lot of work. And I, I try to encourage people that, you know, if, if the idea is for it to be a business, you know, in the beginning, start with it. It is for family and friend. And you'll find your authentic voice when you do that, because your friends and fans, they know you. And if you start putting yeah. on a character, they're going to call you out. And then at least, yeah. you know, like you said, it does become a business. You take it serious. But I like hearing that you guys are calling it a business. A lot of people try to like hide behind that you know, when they're doing a YouTube channel as an actual business. And I don't know why there's that phenomenon of that, where this is the content that we're providing and it's helping people. And for that, you get monetized, whether it's through YouTube or something like Patreon or the articles you're selling, you're putting in the work, which is amazing too. But it's just kind of cool that this wasn't what you guys were necessarily doing for a living. This wasn't the way you were living and you've been able to bring them together. No, not at all. Uh, No. Uh, in fact, I'm dyslexic and uh, never wrote anything unless I actually had to. And it's been it's been quite a long journey actually to discover that I can write stuff. <laughs> uh, I bet I. Still- I'm rather fun. I've really quite enjoyed it actually. Um, I, I, I mean, I've written my blog for five days a week for uh, nearly three years. You know, there's nearly a thousand articles out there from my blog on Facebook, but also there's uh, articles in magazines, and it's it's really great that you get paid to do it. And uh, we enjoy the whole thing, really. It's just sometimes it gets a bit too much pressure yeah. because yeah. It's the deadlines and yeah. everything we have to do. But we enjoy to do it. We wouldn't know what to do if we wouldn't do this. No, we wouldn't know how to fill up our time if uh, we are not doing this. I think you'll be very lucky to succeed at this because there's a lot of competition out there yeah. in the sailing market and probably in the RV market as well. And so if my advice to anybody that was planning on doing this is you've really got to, you know, uh, set your goals and uh, work at it and don't think that it's going to come easily. Uh, The success is going to be a lot harder for that. Yeah, I always like to say, too, that just because you have an interesting life, it doesn't necessarily make you interesting. And I think a lot of people because like like, you know, we do a, a magazine and people will, you know, reach out and say, hey, I'm a full time RVer. And I'm like, okay, I need more than that. That's not what just makes the article. And it's like, well, and I have to explain to them, okay, pretend I was doing a magazine about Oregon. You can't just call me and say, Hey, I live in Oregon. Cause like, that's not interesting. Now tell me why you're interesting. And I think that's what a lot of people forget, but everyone does have a really unique story. And I think people forget that too. They look at the other channels and they try to become them 
did you guys look at other YouTube channels in regards to learning how to do this? And that's what kind of inspired you or because I did, I did not know that people full-time RV when I decided to go full-time RV. I did not know that was a thing. We, we do our own thing as we want to. We decided to out the format of our programs. But yes, we do watch other people because we got inspired by other people to, to come on this live. So be, before we came, we used to watch a lot of sailing channels. Now we don't because of uh, internet connections are not always the best. Right. Yeah, we used to watch a lot at the beginning. But uh, yeah, now it's once in a while. But uh, we have our way to do it. The programs, uh, we do our own thing. Yeah. It? yeah, yeah, very much so. Well, you bring up a good point really quick too. I mean, you're doing you know, five blogs a week, four videos. Uh, how are you doing that with internet? You know, being you know, so well, inconsistent. Actually, we're, we're absolutely fine here because yeah, in, uh, Portugal. in Portugal, um, because we, I think it's $30 for unlimited broadband on uh, you know a uh, 4G connection on the mobile phone. So uh, that's really great. But um, in some of the places we've been, it's been practically impossible. In the um, Caribbean, it was a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, uh, places like uh, uh, Cuba, for example, it, it was just practically impossible to communicate. Yeah. Uh, and then for the first three weeks, I think, in the Bahamas, uh, we couldn't find a shop to sell us a SIM card uh, because we we're in a very remote area. Of the and all of that add to the stress because yeah. you have to upload the videos because we have been uploading the videos for the last three years, every Monday, you know, yeah. always. So it, it adds to the stress. So you have to plan ahead. So you have to plan that you're going to have to have uh, four, five, six videos in the pocket. So upload it so you don't stress about the internet connection yeah. for a while. Yeah. I mean, we have a sat phone, so um, if we're at sea or whatever, we can make a phone call or send an email or a text message. Uh, but it's not like um, having your mobile phone in your pocket no, no. by any stretch of the imagination. I gotcha. Well, the last segment I like to do is basically exploring. As I know you went through a list of all the places you've been, but let's talk about some of the ones that maybe just really surprised you or that you didn't realize you would enjoy as much as you did. and. Maybe even one of your longest sailing trips, like explain what that kind of stuff's like. Anything that you think listeners need to hear in and around this lifestyle? Well, our favorite ever is Archipelago of Islands called Rockies uh, out of Venezuela. We knew they would be good, but they were out of this world. They're absolutely incredible. It was a three-day sail from Grenada uh, with the wind behind us. So we had an absolutely fantastic sail. Uh, the boat was doing sort of seven or eight knots for this size of boat isn't a bad speed at all. And uh, it took us about three days to get there. And then it was like really kind of weird because in the background, there was this massive rock. But uh, in front of it, uh, right behind the surf, we just saw about four or five yachts anchored. And uh, the reefs going round uh, all the islands just completely protected it. And so the water was absolutely flat inside the reefs. But the colours of the waters, the beautiful beaches, and this place is practically pristine, isn't it? Yeah. It's practically untouched. There is some, uh, something like three or 400 people that live on the main island of Grand Rockets. But then when you go out to the uh, smaller islands, which is about a 1,000 of them, there's just nothing. You can have a, a three-mile beach to yourself, yeah. you know, absolutely incredible. The wildlife was incredible. incredible. We have never yeah. seen wildlife yeah. like it was there. No. It was just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So that place actually uh, really sort of got us. Fortunately, uh, we only stayed there for about a week because uh, 
there was a bit of a blow coming through and we thought we ought to get a bit more protection. So we, we went off to Bonaire, which is further west in the Caribbean, which is about another 24 hours. Bonaire was fantastic, wasn't yeah. it? But another place that uh, I would say that surprised us, not surprised because you see in the movies, it is what it is, but it was Cuba, wasn't it? Uh, Cuba was... Cuba as it was, it was amazing to uh, just... Uh, yeah, well, we, were, we came out of, um, we came out of uh, Cancun in Mexico and heading east across the Yucatan, Yucatan? Yucatan, Yucatan uh, Channel, which was going to take us about 24 hours. And uh, a real gale blew up. It blew up. We knew it was going to get a bit bumpy, but it, 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 it got a lot worse by about an extra 20 knots of wind. And we completely missed the north coast of Cuba. And uh, we had no option at all but to go and take the south coast of Cuba because we just couldn't get in that direction because of the wind. So it meant we had to stay at sea for another two days before we could get to the first islands that we could go to. And I didn't really realize, but the, the, along the south coast, between about 50 and 150 miles off the coast, there's a whole archipelago of islands, hundreds of them off Cuba. Most of them don't have anybody on them whatsoever. It was absolutely incredible, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but also also seeing the culture that they're living on, it's just, yeah. it was just really... Because when you go by boat to these places, you have to interact a lot more with the local community yeah. compared with going on a holiday, where you probably turn up at the airport, you get transferred to a hotel, and you may not even go out of the hotel complex. But, you know, we have to go out and get food. We've got to get gas. We've got to get uh, diesel. Uh, we've got to talk to marina staff, customs, immigration. So all sorts we of deal things. with the real people? Yeah. And we actually took a taxi, a shared taxi across Cuba on a four-hour drive to go to Havana because uh, Havana's on the north coast and we were on the south coast. We had a fantastic three days, didn't we? Absolutely beautiful. Sailing, uh, driving around in those, or being ferried around in those big American classic cars was absolutely incredible. Yeah. So those are the, probably the places which just prized us the yeah. most. Yeah. Um, regarding passages at sea, we kind of, neither of us particularly enjoy it, actually. Night sailing is a bit eerie in a way because you, you, you carry on all night. You don't stop. You have, you know, like radar and what we call a plotter is a rolling map, and we can see other vessels on that. But uh, it is actually quite scary. You never know uh, if you're going to hit something. It could be a whale, could be logs, could be shipping containers. You know, there's a, there's a lot going on. It always seems to blow up in the middle of the night. And we both like our sleep at night. Yeah. So. <laughs> and Carla gets terribly seasick. Very terribly seasick. Yeah. The first two or three days on the passage, and you're yeah. you're you're uh, crying for your mother in the toilet, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That sounds, that sounds amazing. That, sounds, that, makes, that probably makes some good video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Arrival is always fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess that leads into a point, uh, you know, I mean, obviously being scared out in sea and, you know, and the, the things that like, a, you know, a log or a, a shipping container that you just can't see, it's not going to show up on radar. That makes a lot of sense. Is there any concern with like other boats or, you know, I mean, they use the term pirate still. Is there concern in any of that? There are in certain areas of the world, and funny enough, uh, down in Panama, some friends of ours, they got robbed by pirates. They were on the boat for about an hour and a half going through everything. But when we left Grenada to go down off the Venezuelan coast, we actually sort of sat down and uh, tried to come up with all the things we could do to prevent any pirates getting on board. 
Because once you're on board, that's once it. Once they're on board, that's it. They just let yeah. them take anything, do whatever they want, yeah. because you're not going to fight or anything. Yeah. We are not. We are a British boat, uh, uh, so we are not allowed to have uh, guns, and we are not into guns anyway. Yeah. So we don't. We are not armed. Mm-hmm. So we had to prepare ourselves in the boat for them not to board the boat. Yeah. So that's what we did. Yeah, and that entailed uh, looking at things that we had on the boat. Um, we made uh, an electric fence to go around the boat lights, loudspeakers to make lots of noise, uh, how we could use fire extinguishers and things like that. We kind of had a plan. We had a pirate plan to defend ourselves. But ultimately, if they actually boarded the boat, uh, we, that was it. There was no point in uh, going any further. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, there's nothing on the boat that's worth, you know, you guys, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, unless it's like the last six videos that are in the can, then you got to like really beg, like, please take what take the diamonds, but leave the videos, please. We yeah. haven't uploaded them yet. Leave the footage. Don't take the, <laughs> don't take the, yeah. don't take yeah. the internet, please. Anything, but don't take the internet. I beg you. Uh, I know I'm making light of it, but also too, I was thinking when you were talking, do you guys uh, like practice like emergencies at all? Like, in the sense of, you know, if the boat was taken on water, how you guys could get to a raft? Is that something you just, you kind of know, or do you like go through it and rehearse it every once in a while? Um, we, 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 before we left on the Atlantic crossing, uh, we did quite a lot of uh, work on man overboard procedures and uh, how we would uh, tether ourselves to the boat and that sort of thing. So we, we, we have certain drills, like, for example, at night, you don't go outside unless there's another person up, because uh, uh, during the night, we split it into three-hour watches. So Carla would be on seven till 10, I'd do 10 till one, and then Carla, and then I'd do the morning shift. So there's only one of us up. So if we have to go out on deck to do anything. So we stay inside. Uh, we've got very good visibility being a catamaran, so we can see all the round. So if there's any boats out there, we can see the lights or whatever. But if anybody has to go outside, we always get the other person up, and uh, you don't go out at night without your life jacket on, your harness, and tethering yourself on. because. Um, the most important thing is you stay with the boat. If you know you you're not with the boat, then you're going to make life rather difficult for everybody. So basically, we are not allowed to go overboard. No, there you go. you're not allowed to go overboard. Uh, no. I, I like that rule. Keep that rule for sure. Um, something I like to yeah. do in this yeah, show yeah. too is um, I like to do what I call the the high low. What I want you to do is maybe talk about a uh, a low that has happened you know while sailing. Maybe something you just didn't know that you would experience and, and usually it's something you know mentally but what was just something you didn't know you would experience in this lifestyle if you guys have one i think for me the one thing that uh, was one of the biggest lows was when we came out of um bermuda and we we're going to go to the azores and in theory we could have got to the azores in 10 days uh, we worked out it was going to take us 12 days but for the first two days we were we weren't heading anywhere near it we were heading towards cape verde uh, off the African coast, which was uh, heading in the direction of southeast instead of um, northeast. And uh, slowly over the period of about a week, we realized that there's no way in the world we wouldn't get there. And with the bumpy weather, it was really quite sort of depressing, really, wasn't it? Uh, when you leave somewhere, there's little chance of you going back because of the uh, the wind. You know, you've picked a, wind, a weather window to take you in the right direction. And so the chances of going back would be very difficult. But then you do get uh, towards the end of excitement, uh, the fact that uh, you start seeing a light safe, for example. And one of the ones for me was when we were arriving in Bermuda and bang on the time and about 
four o'clock in the morning, I could see the lighthouse off Bermuda. And uh, I radioed the, uh, the guys up and had a, a call with them on the uh, VHF radio. And I felt I was really quite emotional. You know, it had turned up after five days in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And there was a welcoming voice on the radio to speak to us. So arrivals are absolutely fantastic. Yeah. For me, the, the, the low is uh, getting seasick at sea. It's really, really terrible because for two days uh, into the third day, I just throw up. Sometimes it's just like 15 times, 17 times, 10 times. It's just, a, it's a nonstop. So I don't eat, I don't drink. I know it's wrong not drinking when you are like that, but uh, I can't do anything. It's just, I have to lie down. I can just go up and do something. If it's a stress, obviously I have to do it. So uh, when this happens, Simon stays by himself. So he gets really, really tired because he mm. has to stay up all the time. But uh, and then for me, it's horrendous. After three days, you know, I lost some weight and I just don't feel well. It's just terrible. You, you, you do get over it every time. Yes, yeah. After about three days, yeah. uh, then you're fine. Yeah. And I've never actually been seasick. I felt a bit queasy a few times, but I've never been seasick. Yeah. That's, that's got to be tough. I mean, I, I would always think you would get used to it after a couple of years and that many kind of times in open sea. You don't get, you don't get, uh, I, I don't think you get used to it, mm-hmm. but your body gets used to it as it's happening. If you see what I mean. Do you guys, mm-hmm. how does it feel when you're on land? Do you guys feel a little like, is it weird walking after being on a boat for a long yeah, time? Yeah. Yeah. After the uh, ocean crossing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the land wobbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is really quite weird, but that takes about uh, 12 hours to get over the first day, doesn't yeah. it? And then that, that, that. And the, after an ocean crossing, the smells of land, land oh, yeah. is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you've only smelled smell the salt air yeah. uh, for two weeks or something, and then all of a sudden you, you feel the dampness, the earthy smells and yeah, things yeah. like that, it's that quite is, incredible. Yeah. I think it is interesting that you're my second couple that is, uh, you know, full time in doing big ocean crossings, and both of you have said that that's your least favorite part of the lifestyle. And it's yeah. funny because as an RVer, um, especially if you're in a campground for a while, I love the long drives. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't say that out loud to a lot of people, but there's just something about being on the road. That's just kind of nice, you know, in a way that it, 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 that's kind of discouraging in a way, but I get it. I get that just being out there alone where you're not seeing people and it's just pitch black. I totally get it. Like, I don't want to drive at night. I can't even imagine sailing at night. So kudos to you guys, because that does sound. And um, I hope I would make the right decisions with pirates, but I'm a big guy. I've got beard and tattoos. I'm more of the pirate than they are. So I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what I would do, but. um, It's just something you have to do to get from A to B. From A to B, you have to do it. Um, I mean, wherever possible, we we do day trips. You know, they might, it might be that we leave at four o'clock in the morning or something when it's dark. And then, uh, you know, we plan to arrive before sunset, depending on how far we're traveling. Yeah, we try not to do them, but you just have to do them. I mean, that's the way the world's made up. And right from the very beginning, as soon as we decided we were going to do this, we wanted to cross the Atlantic and we wanted to go to the Caribbean. And it was nothing Nothing was going to stop stop us. us. No. Um, Because we had, before the Atlantic crossing, we had the worst trip we have ever had in our life. So yeah. we could easily have just uh, stopped there. And no, we didn't stop. No. We wanted to go. We were so determined to cross the Atlantic. So yeah. we had to go. Yeah. 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 And now we've crossed it back from west to east, which is a lot, lot more difficult. Yeah. 
than uh, sailing to the Caribbean. Mm. Gotcha. Well, before I let you go, I want people to be able to find you. And again, anyone that's listening, I'm going to put all this down in the show notes so you don't have to write it down. But where can people find you guys and where can they read your blogs and watch your videos and all that kind of stuff? The simplest place to go is sailingoceanfox.com. And from there, you'll find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Yeah, we have a very consistent brand. So it's Sailing Ocean Fox everywhere. Everywhere. Sailing Ocean Fox. Love it. I really want to say thank you again for coming on the show. It's awesome to, you know, kind of e-meet you guys. And I want to figure out a way how to how to fly out and spend some time on the boat with you. I mean, uh, just you guys make it sound like welcome. it's amazing. Well, you're very welcome. You just have to uh, uh, wait for COVID, I think. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, for sure. I'll definitely wait. But again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really great to hear your story. Thank and you for I, having us. I think it will inspire a lot of people. And, you know, and I thank you for doing that because I do think, you know, it is a real inspiration to see people living a different life that, that maybe they just didn't know was possible. Thank you. Well, another great episode. It was a ton of fun interviewing and getting to know Simon and Carla. And I really hope that they have inspired you to never think it's too late to make some amazing changes to your lifestyle. I hope that one day I get to experience life at sea. If you want to learn more about Simon and Carla, feel free to click the links in the show notes or simply search on your favorite search engine, Sailing Ocean Fox, or any of your social channels. I really think you'll enjoy their videos and blog posts. Also, just a friendly reminder, if you're enjoying the Rootless Living podcast or the magazine, make sure to let your friends and family know by sharing us on your favorite social media channel. It's a really big help in getting the word out. And if you use the hashtag Rootless Living, we'll try to share it as well. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.